Gary McIntyre. Welcome to another episode of Digital DBC. I am with Senior Pastor Alan Jackson, and we've kind of had a series going on on why we do what we do. Uh, and recently we had a deacon ordination service, and Alan was bringing a charge to the church, and it, it, the idea was, hey, let's see if we can get this thing recorded and let's put it out there. And so that's what we're doing today. So, Alan, why don't you uh, speak to that? So... A deacon ordination service is a sacred time where we uh, set apart. The, the, the idea of ordination is a, is a laying on of hands. There are several times in Scripture Moses laid hands on Joshua, and it's always an act of commissioning. And the way that an ordination service is lined out at most Baptist churches, including ours, is that there is a sense where we hear the the spiritual story, the testimony of the candidate. So the the candidate would speak of how they came to know Christ and how they understood a calling to the service of the the deacon ministry. Um, And then we have a charge to the candidate. So the, the church actually speaks to the candidate and says, here are the spiritual qualifications from the New Testament that inform uh, deacon service, and usually we recount the Acts chapter six seven uh, episode where there was a, a disruption in the New Testament church that the Greek widows felt like they were being neglected in the distribution of food, and so deacons were basically established to uh, uh, to mediate that uh, to serve. And Peter's famous remark is that the, the apostles or the pastors of the church certainly are servants, but he said it's not desirable that we would neglect the Word of God in order to serve tables. So from the beginning, the diaconate or the, the ministry of the deacons was the role of servants in backup to the pastors who are supposed to be preaching and teaching the Word. So at Dunwoody, we have pastors and we have deacons. We don't have elders, uh, and our deacons understand that they are servants. So the the qualifications of the deacon are spoken into the candidate, and then the the another person, usually the senior pastor, says to the church, "Here's how you receive the ministry of deacons. Here's how you support the ministry of deacons." And in my latest uh, charge to the church, I said, let the deacons deek, that it's hard for us to receive help. And so that's kind of where this came out of, that, that I wanted the, the church in general to hear this, quote, charge to the church to let the deacons deek. Right. And it's like when we look at the, the scriptures for the idea even what a deacon is i mean we don't have that much to go on to begin with because we if i'm if i remember right i mean it's like at least there might be four instances and two of those seem to be just greetings from paul from the deacons and from the elders uh, we have another instance where a deacon is uh mentioned by name i think that was this this woman phoebe uh, and we think that her charge was to take the letter what to rome 
Uh, and so one of Paul's letters to Rome, and so she had that charge, but I mean, the word there for her is deacon as well. And so other than that, you mentioned a minute ago that Acts, uh, the, the mention for the need to be those kind of servant models who can uh, help out with the, the ministry of the church. Uh, even then, that seems more like a precursor to what the deacon yeah, role was going to be. They're actually become. not called deacons, right? Uh, in Acts, uh, they're, they're, it's it's not until the correspondence between Paul and the churches that that ministry uh, becomes a little more developed. Right. So, kind uh, of, if you would run us through the process, how do we get deacons here at Dunwoody Baptist Church? So it's kind of a, um, a play on words, uh, Gary. Um, a lot of Baptist churches in their traditions have a, a deacon selection process that I would call top-down. The, uh, uh, the church solicits a group of candidates, uh, potential candidates from the church, from leaders in the church, and names are assembled on a list, and they are somehow vetted uh, to the deacon qualifications that we've already talked about from uh, from Paul's writings in the New Testament. And then those deacons are uh, put to a vote of the church at large, and uh, the deacon body then is actually voted in. So it's kind of top-down. I joke with our deacons to say that our deacon process is ground up. And the play on words there is that it's literally from the ground up, but at the end of the day, we grind them up pretty good. The um, deacon selection at Dunwoody Baptist Church comes from the small groups. So a small group, whether that be a Bible study class or a Sunday school class, a discipleship group, uh, a life group, the youth ministry, the uh, praise team, the adult choir. So if they're nominated by those groups, do they then, are they the deacon for that group or are they just throwing them out there and then they become a deacon over? They are the deacons for that group. Now they are part of the deacon body of the church and there are certainly overlapping and shared responsibilities. But by and large, the, the shepherding goes on in that group. So it's, to me, it sounds like you're almost electing a representative, which to me is fascinating. I've never heard We might have called like them before. care group leaders in the past. We might have called them, uh, I don't know, uh, shepherds to the class. But uh, our small group suggests the person, and usually, you know, our current deacon chairman, he says, we don't really select deacons here at Dunwoody Baptist. We just find somebody who's acting like a deacon and make it official. And so in a small group, if somebody is, is acting like a deacon, and we try to, to, to massage the ratios to where there's, there's, you know, the manageable amount of families or individuals that a deacon uh, shepherds, but uh, we, we allow the organic uh, conversations out of the small groups to suggest who their deacon might be. And then we vet the deacon through all of the processes that the top-down model does. Uh, our deacon officers uh, interview. Uh, we get references. The uh, conversations are taking place. The testimony is heard and so forth to where uh, then 
that deacon is proposed to the church, and then the church affirms that in conference. How many deacons do we have, roughly? Do you have an idea? I think there's between 40 and 60 here at Dunwoody Baptist Church. Are there term limits? How does that work? We do year to year. Um, We ask every deacon to re-up every year. Um, We don't really differentiate active and inactive deacons, but in essence, if a deacon says, uh, my child is graduating from high school this year, and I know that a lot of my energy is going to be high school graduation, college uh, transitions, and so forth and so on. I need to take the year off. Then we know that that small group needs another deacon. And we ask the deacons every year, do you have time to take care of your individuals and your families this year? They're impressive to see in action. I was, was like one Sunday morning through about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, Somebody came in with some kind of need, and one of our deacon ladies, I mean, she, it was a time, I think, when Jeff was out, and so, and he would know the answers, and so just watching them trying to figure out how do we best meet the needs to minister to this lady who'd who'd walked in, that was very impressive to see, and uh, I got to say, I've been in a lot of churches, and I've seen deacons, you know, operate as the chairman of the board. Uh, I've seen them, you know, they they pretty much run the church, even if they they're not, don't necessarily, that's not necessarily their job. And then to sit back and watch these people in action, and it's like, I have a feeling that this might be the closest model I've ever seen of a church doing what New Testament deaconship looked like. I've felt that way here. Um, we pastors usually find out about a bereavement situation from a deacon. We usually find out about a hospitalization from a deacon. Our deacons are on the front lines of funerals, and we've done a whole bunch of those here. Uh, And the deacons are always there to serve us as pastors as we lead the family through uh, a service, but they also serve the families directly. Uh, They um, make sure that food is delivered. Gary, it's really personal with me. I just had a heart procedure And um, my deacon had had the same heart procedure. And he basically talked me off the ledge several times because he had experience in what I was going through. And that's that's kind of the model of a deacon. Uh, If they don't have experience in what you're going through, uh, they probably have it indirectly with families they've walked through. And so it was personally very comforting to me as the senior pastor that my deacon was in constant contact with me throughout this procedure. I mean, one of the, I mean, the long-term thing, things that I thought about why God allows suffering, especially in the lives of Christians, is for what you just said, because then they who've suffered can step into the life of someone else and say, look, this is how God pulled me through it. And the same God who pulled me through it is the same God that's got your back as well. Well, you know, in our church, our pastors are pretty busy. Most of our pastors have assignments other than being a part of the pastoral team. We use the term uh, pastors here to describe all of the uh, the people who have uh, other responsibilities as well as being part of the, the, the shepherding uh, teaching team at the church. And 
if we pastors insist that somebody wait until one of us frees up to get to the hospital, we are robbing a deacon of their calling. We are taking away from them the opportunity to exercise a God-given call and a God-given gift. And I have enough confidence in our vetting procedure where, where we feel like the biblical qualifications are in place, but the intangible of the call to serve is uh, uh, remarkably consistent across our deacon body. I know it's, to me it almost seems like it might be fair to say that maybe they're the unsung heroes of the church. I mean, it's like the, the ministers, they're front and center. They get, you know, it's expected they do all this stuff, but the deacons are doing all this stuff in the background. And I couldn't even tell you, I mean, I'm finding out every week, oh, that person's a deacon. I did not know that. You know, Gary, at our church, it's even more remarkable because in a lot of the traditional diaconate models, the deacons are de facto elders in that they handle both spiritual matters that are directional in the church, but they also handle administrative matters. Which, and I, I hit on that a little bit earlier when I was talking about the chairman of the board thing, and that's been my experience with deacon models in the past. Yeah, yeah, they go through receipts, right? And they look at timesheets, and they they evaluate how much copy paper we're using. I mean, I've seen them tell the preacher what he needs to preach about. Yeah. And so our deacons are so, so humble and so effective and so um, so driven to serve. And that's all that's on their plate. Uh, they, they don't do administration. They don't. They, they they advise the pastor, of course. They're they're the servants of the church. They we, we sometimes say they're sort of the buffer that if they hear some kind of damaging gossip that's passed along to them, they know that part of their responsibility is to get that in the light and and let us uh, address it. Uh, not to squash it or condescend, but that maybe there's you know, where there's uh, smoke, there's a little bit of fire somewhere. And we can we can address it, and the deacons bring it to us before it grows into uh, something that's out of our control. It's just a pretty remarkable culture here. Um, we have a, a special needs uh, Bible study class, and so we have a special needs deacon. And to watch that person minister to that class is. Um, is nothing short of just watching God reach down and touch both the gift and the giver. I, mean, I think when I and when I think about deacons, I know we talk about in First or in Acts where we kind of see that the need spelled out for there to be a deacon role. It kind of takes me even back to to Moses, and you'd mentioned Moses earlier when he was so busy that I mean his father-in-law said, "You can't do this on your own." Find 70 people to help you. Yeah. And it's like, and all of a sudden that was a game changer. Well, I mean, the whole dramatic scene where Moses is on the top of the hill overseeing the battle with the Amalekites with Joshua, and when his hands are held up, they're victorious in the valley. When he gets tired and his hands fall, 
they retreat, it's it's hard not to see that that whole scene is an Old Testament uh, indication that the uh, spiritual leader of the church has to have somebody to hold up his arms. Right, and and I almost hate to say it, it's like that you have the old expression, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. I mean, it's like it. We all depend on each other to be able to do what we do, and I think that's exactly how God intended it. This why we all have different gifts, and God, the purpose of the church is, it's my understanding, that that God uses all of us together so we can best utilize our gifts towards one. Absolutely, purpose. and so for. For the deacons not to be unleashed to do the servant ministry of the deacons, it is us as pastors robbing them of their calling. It's it's not uh, it's not desirable that we would neglect the word of God, and then it's on us as pastors to make sure that we are in the word that we. That, that, that if we sense the freedom of somebody else getting there early to make sure that all the logistics of a funeral are in place or getting there early to make sure that the Lord's Supper elements are, are ready for distribution, we as pastors should take a deep breath and go, I am thankful for their ministry, but also that same deep breath, I am thankful that that calling is being unleashed by the Holy Spirit in the life of that person. Right, and I think it's probably important to, to kind of at least throw out that that we're all called to different levels of service. And even if you're not a deacon, there are areas where you can serve. Uh, but with that in mind, let's say someone feels like, you know, I think I, I kind of want to be a deacon or I feel a calling towards that area. How does... If someone's feeling that, what's this next step for them? Well, at our particular church, it would be to be involved in a small group. Sure. And in our particular church, it would be to look for opportunities to serve within that small group or within that that identifiable cluster. Maybe it's a, a, a women's ministry or the um, Wednesday night pastor's Bible study or celebrate recovery or any of the other, uh, the preschool ministry. And, and within that ministry to, to look for opportunities, not only to, to fulfill the quote job that they've been enlisted to do, they're a teacher, they're a helper, they're a facilitator, they're whatever, but also to look for uh, evidence in their lives that there is a a passion for uh, the lives of the people who are involved, both the other workers and then the constituents, the children, the students, the choir, the whatever. That that the other workers, the volunteers that are are with them, that there would be a sense that they would, as our deacon chair says, that they would start acting like a deacon and let them catch us doing it, let them catch them doing it. And that way, uh, nobody presents themselves as a deacon. They just start deking. And then somebody catches them deking and makes it official. Right. Uh, so what else you got to add? You got anything you want to throw on the end of this to close no, it out? No, I, I, I think, Gary, our model is healthy. I, I, I'm open that there are other models that are very effective in other places. But I just caught myself during this deacon ordination feeling uh, uh, very um, grateful 
for the ministry of the deacon body here at Dunwoody Baptist Church. So this is kind of a thank you podcast. No, it's great. And I I love the topic. Uh, So let's close this thing out. Uh, Thank you for joining us. I'm Gary McIntyre. We've been talking about why we do what we do. We've been talking about deacons. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't give Ashley Vaca a shout out because she's a superstar and she's helping us record this thing. And so thank you, Ashley. So this is Gary McIntyre. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next time.